You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 228 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Malisha. How are you, Gina? Oh, great, Val. Last episode for 2018. Can, can you believe it? No, I can't. I can't believe it. So yeah, this is in fact our last episode for the year, but we will be back next week with a new episode. We are actually recording this before Christmas <laughs> because, you know, there's Christmas and then Gina is jetting off to the wild blue yonder on another international trip for a particular job that she's doing. So we're recording it a bit early. Yes. We thought we were going to have alcohol, <laughs> but we may be saving the alcohol so that we can make sense on this podcast uh, for the first podcast of 2019. Yes. So this particular episode is all about the lessons we've learnt from 2018, and there's quite a few lessons. So stick with us on that. But we before we plunge into that, uh, Gina has an interesting link <laughs> For us. It's got nothing to it, do Gina? with photography, but it no, made it me so happy to see this. Yes. And it's actually, it. um, I know we have many, many, many pet lovers uh, who listen to mm. the podcast. So there is a, uh, a Japanese company that are making miniature furniture for cats. And it's not, yep. uh, you know, little cat beds that you, there's a standard to uh, pet beds isn't there there's like that they, they oh, all yeah. look the same these are the not my pet beds oh, what, what have you got designer pet but you've got designer cats so of course you've got designer pet beds yeah well no i've got like i've got furniture like this that's in this link and of course we'll put the link in the show Did notes you which you can furniture? find it gina which you can find at com. it's not from this brand but i've got actual sofas that are just miniaturized sofas they're like human sofas with the design and everything surely you've seen the little, my I've, seen the, I've seen the cat sofa it's uh it's really yeah. really sweet and these are like uh complete but but not just the the sofas you get the bed but also the bedside table with the lamp yeah, so cute. and the curtains yeah. and so, so then cute. you've got the the cat on the photographed on the bed with everything to scale and it's making <laughs> me think this would be a really good project for someone like you could do yeah okay here's a niche boudoir photography for cats <laughs> and dogs because I often think that when I see uh, the cat asleep or the dog asleep and sometimes they sleep in these like you know they look like they're a, a, in a bed sheet ad the way they're on their back lying down so blissfully asleep uh, imagine that like you are you are a 
pet boudoir photographer. It's niche, niche. Very niche, very niche. But uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, but it is fantastic miniature cat furniture. However, it's really human furniture that is cat-sized. And yes, it has absolutely nothing to do with photography. So we're going to move on instead to lessons from 2018. Where are we going to start on this one, Gina? All right, so uh, there's been quite a few lessons. And do you do this at the end of the year? Do you look back over the year and think about what you've learned and maybe what you need to change for the following year? Do you do stuff like that, reflect on the year and look where you – things you – got right and things that you got horribly wrong (laughs) and uh, I'd like to say that I do but I actually probably don't and I know I should Mm. I do a lot yeah Yeah. I think about it a lot and uh, I do it after every photo shoot as well do you do when you've painted something Val and you've finished it and you look at it and you think okay here's what how I can improve that next time uh yes I do yeah so on that I I I think about a lot about what were the lessons for me for 2018 and where I can improve and one of the biggest ones I think is the lesson of and I always think of this after the fact and I'm happy that I uh took my time doing things. So that's the one on delayed gratification and that's around photography and being able to play the long game rather than being in a hurry to get to the end. And this, uh, I think it was highlighted the other night. I think it was just after we got to hang out the other night. That was really cool, wasn't it? Yes. And so after that, I went around to... Uh, my friend Fatini Hatzis's place and she's also a fantastic makeup artist we work together a lot and I hadn't been to her place for a little while and out her kitchen window she's got this uh, screen of bamboo trees that have now that that she put there to cover the neighbor and the fence there right and yes. I said, oh, my God, they've just all of a sudden taken off because last time I was here, there was nothing. She's like, yeah, all of a sudden everything took off. And she's like, I oh. planted them five years ago. Right. And she said, and nothing happened for five years. And then all wow. of a sudden all this growth happens. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's kind of how everything happens. It's like you feel like you're working towards a goal and you're doing all the work and nothing happens. And I've seen this when people start businesses. I've seen this when people are learning new skills in photography. You put in all the work and you don't actually see the the benefits of all the work you're putting in. And I guess when you're also working on your body as well, you can be running and working out and it kind of looks like nothing's changing. And then one day you'll look in the mirror and all of a sudden you got a six pack and, uh, and biceps and you go, wow, that worked. But, and the same with uh, photography. It's like you put in the work, you put in the work and then all of a sudden things take off and you're growing the business and you're, uh, doing the work, like putting your stuff out there, putting your work out there, nothing might happen for a while. And then all of a sudden people start noticing you. So I think, uh, 
Uh, and I'm impatient. I'm sure you're impatient too, Valerie. We all want things to happen yes. really quickly, but there is that idea of just continuing and having a bit of faith that what you're doing yes. is going to pay off down the track. So I think that's one of my uh, big lessons uh, for 2018, to not, to, to, to not be in a hurry to get the results but to play the long game a bit more. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah, so understanding that there is such a thing that it was delayed gratification and sometimes that's what mastery is all about really. Exactly, and it's just c continuing to put in the work because it, it does, like it's never wasted. It ha happens in the end. It all, You get there in the end for sure. Yeah. Okay, what's the next one? So, the next lesson for 2018. Okay, and this is tricky for perfectionists. Um, done is better than perfect. And okay. the reason I say that is often, uh, and I know I can be guilty of this, it's like uh, maybe thinking about when I will post an image or when I will work on a project or when a project is finished, I might not even begin because I can't get it perfect. It's not perfect. It's not ready. And I know there is a lot of people, photo photographers. Hang on, what's not perfect the, exactly? The you won't, it won't be perfect. Therefore, I'm not even going to start it. You know, so I'm thinking of doing a particular photo and I'm planning out the photo shoot and then you'll talk yourself out of doing it because you can't quite get it perfect. And you've already, and that's only in your head, you've talked yourself out of it. Or you've actually created something and you again talk yourself out of maybe sharing that image because it's not perfect according to what you're – I'd like to disagree with you on that oh, one. Valerie. Um, yeah, and I would encourage, you know, some people to think about what about – I understand where you're coming from, but if I'm your client and I hear you say done is better than perfect, I'm not hiring you. Um, so I think that – it's important to clarify where that message is disseminated. So when I'm shooting for someone, I will bust my ass to get it perfect or, or as perfect yes. as and I, I can. and I know that, which is why I know that, which is why I think this is, you know, it's kind of like um, contradictory to your work ethic, which is you get things so perfect for your clients. Okay. So, and that doesn't let me reflect clarify. on what you just said. One of the big um, lessons I've been trying to teach the members of the gold community this year is that the the work to do the work in when they're learning new skills and to get it done and to put it out so that you can learn the next lesson. So, I might uh, set a task to say. I need you to do a shoot with Rembrandt lighting, okay? Now, it's important here that you learn the skill rather than making a perfect image, which means that you'll go and sabotage even starting by, I need to find the right model. I need to find the right location. And then I need to create this perfect image to learn the art of shooting Rembrandt lighting. And that's not the case, Val. To learn something, you just need 
a styrofoam head on a stick or a basketball or a figurine that you can put near the window so that you can practice doing that shoot and then share that in the group that you're at and and then it is uh, the work in progress. So it's just like, Val, if you've got a sketchbook of images that you're using to develop your next painting, right, and you're um, creating all these sketches, you're not going to sit there and agonise over are they all going to be works of art that need to be absolutely perfect to develop those ideas and learn the skills? Well, no. No. So this is about doing the work and and it's kind of like um, when you're trying to build your abs and if you Mm -hmm. were to decide, all right, I need to do exercise every day to stay healthy. Now, in an ideal world, I need to get in my car, drive across for 10 minutes to get to the perfect gym to go to the perfect class to do the perfect workout, right? Mm -hmm. What happens then when the bar is set that high to do that work? You don't, half the time you'd go, it's too far, it's too hard, I'm just not even going to even start. Sure. Right? So. Instead, so what you're saying is when you're building a muscle, when you're building a practice, done is better than perfect. Exactly. So yeah. the simple act of needing okay. to exercise every day, Val, okay, in a perfect world, I want to go to that gym and work out with that instructor and do that particular machine, right? That's perfect. But in reality, that, that can't happen. It, it, our lives are too busy to be able to do that. So what I can do instead is I can put on um, my runners and I can uh, go for a run around the block. It's not perfect, but it's still done. And it's still taking another couple of steps towards my goal. And the same with photography, you know. it's We, we don't have the opportunities every day to uh, find ourselves in the perfect studio with the perfect lighting, with the perfect team of models, which we all have in our mind's eye, or that perfect landscape, or to travel to Cuba at the drop of a hat to get that shot that we want. But what we can do and what we can control is the ability to um, go down the street at uh at, at different times of the day and photograph something, the same location to understand how the light changes and how that influences the shot. And if that's a matter of like you don't even have a model carrying around that styrofoam head and getting an understanding of the lighting, again, it's not perfect. It's not a perfect image, but doing that work is going to do a lot more for your learning and the development of your craft than waiting for all those all those ducks to line up. I or I can't get that until I save up enough to have. Um, yeah. Okay. And time as well. You know, everyone wishes I need uh, a three day block so that I can work on this particular lighting style and work out how to use flash or off camera flash. Who no one has a three-day block in their lives, but mm-hmm. you might be able to steal um, half an hour here and there. I'll give you an example, Val. 
because we know it's still uh we haven't even hit christmas yet we're a couple a couple of days off christmas as we're recording as this. we're recording and this, yeah. i've got the family coming for uh christmas lunch here so and yes. lots of windows and they needed to be cleaned and so mm-hmm. I ne- it's a good day's work and I didn't have a day, so but that needed to be done. And the thought of having people in my house cleaning my windows makes me want to um, rock in the corner. Okay, so <laughs> so I did a window a day. So I, I invested uh, ten minutes a day, and it got done. Okay, yeah, good. <laughs> so done, better than perfect. In a perfect world, everything is lined up and organized and you've got everything you need, but um, you're not going to get as much done that way. Yeah. Great. All right. I agree. <laughs> you agree now? Did I convince <laughs> you? It's like one of those. No, I agree, <laughs> that, I agree that when you're building a muscle, done is better than perfect, but never say that to your client. Never say it out loud. No, it's not something that you say to your clients. And I think mm. that uh, when it's the actual work that you're doing, then I, I, it's hard to step away. And actually, yeah, it's hard to say it's finished. I, I could always do more on the image, but I will always uh, bust a gut to make sure that it's the best I can possibly do. Cool. What's the next lesson? All right. This is a tough one for a lot of people, again, and and it's getting started, but I think it's being able to understand that before you can get good at something, you've got to suck at it first. (laughs) And that's a tough one because we all want to be good fast, but I think it's important to get through those early stages where you, you aren't quite mastering that skill. And so, and it's okay. And in fact, it's super important to do that, to um, suck and make mistakes and review them and go back. And that's the best way to learn by actually making those mistakes. And this is something that uh, I got a, into comedy uh, podcasts a lot this year where comedians, mm-hmm. um, ha- you know, talk about uh the work the you know it's not mm. just like them telling jokes and a guy walks into a bar it's like they really analyze <laughs> the how they write how they how they create their one hour stand-ups and 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 what's involved in that and all of them talked about having to do the work and be really bad at stand-up at the start and for mm. them to get better and how, how how quickly they grew and being able to uh, find other comedians who were ahead of them who could mentor them and say, yeah, yeah, that was great, you know, but w- when you do this, have you thought about coming in and uh, trying it like this? And, you know, they're learning things like how, the, how to read a room and how to, um, mm. how to pace themselves and how to be comfortable with uh, being silent in certain parts of it. And the only way to do that is to keep getting out there and do the work, but be prepared to not be fantastic at it from the start. Because if you, it can be discouraging if you try something and you fail a bit at the start, but eventually 
you keep doing it and eventually something shifts. And I think that's with uh, everything uh, I've been trying to learn when I'm learning new skills. And I think I had a, a struggle when, and I, no, and I talked about it a lot. I, I blogged about it a lot with tr- switching over to mirrorless. And it was really uh, um, tough at the start because here I am trying to learn these new skills and I thought it shouldn't be so hard. The ego kicks in. I've been doing this for 30 years. I should know how to pick up a camera and, you know, and I got really frustrated with myself. And then I had to understand it's like, no, you're learning a new skill. You're learning how to use a new tool I have to like wire those new pathways in my brain to understand how to do that. So uh, it was important to uh, cut myself some slack and feel uh, clumsy with this particular tool, the mirrorless, for uh, quite a while. And I did that and I persevered until I got good at it. Yeah, so I think that it it is important to understand that you are going to be, you know, not great at something um, when you're starting, but also that time flies. Yeah. And that if you, you know, do something every day or regularly, um, you actually do get get better at it sooner than you think. It happens well, so quickly. You know yeah, what I mean, time flies. No, there is a moment and I see it a lot with uh, the podcast listeners when they're, you, you know, you watch everyone developing and definitely with the Goldies who are, are sharing their work and we're, you, you're watching them, um, you know, developing and developing and then you just see when everything clicks into place and then it's like bang yeah. and they're off. And then from there it's just really quick. But Everyone has to learn at their own pace and I know that I am an incredibly slow learner but I think that uh, mm-hmm. once it's in, it usually stays and I don't have to keep, uh, you know, going back and reviewing stuff. Once I've got the, the, the task and understand it, then, uh, you know, I, I it's like I think I keep using the driving analogy but it is, it's the same. You know, you remember when you learnt to drive Everything was so confusing and overwhelming, and then when you finally uh, work it out, it's it becomes intuitive, and so that's what you're aiming for. But in order to do that, you've got to be prepared to be uh, a bit clumsy and and fumble around for the first little while, and that's what everybody does. Okay, cool. So. What are the other lessons on the list? All right. So, again, this lesson uh, also came from listening to comedians' podcasts and also listening to a lot of interviews with people who are masters in their particular field. And it's uh, talking about uh, getting out of your – working outside your comfort zone. All right. So, by that, uh, I mean uh, there are – things that we can do as photographers, like, you know, uh, you can start out and be working with daylight, right? And you can master it. And then a lot of people stop there and won't challenge themselves anymore. Or you're shooting to a a warm audience as photographers. So only photographing Mm. people that you know in situations that you're comfortable with. But the only way to challenge yourself is to be able to 
step outside of your comfort zone and uh, maybe like if, you, if we were tackling this as comedians, a comedian's analogy, then you, you, you wor- you're working to a more hostile audience that aren't necessarily going to embrace you. And, and I, I've done this by going out and shooting strangers. So they don't know me from a bar of soap. Uh, I have to convince them to, uh, to, to sit for a portrait. And so I have to learn how to connect really quickly in probably 15 seconds to get to get that mm. across the line so uh that to me uh has been gold in terms of like getting better and i guess i keep using um exercising analogies but when you work out in a gym mm. uh you you can stay on the the stepper do you like that machine, the stepper? It's probably my least. It's not fa- my favorite. Oh, I hate it with a passion. <laughs> it's like hell. Um, but uh, and and do that. Eventually, your body just gets used to that machine, and it, your body won't change after a while. Or just do. I, I could do uh, flies till the cows come home. I love them. They're, that's my favorite okay. exercise. But you know, eventually really? your body gets used to them, and it doesn't work anymore. So that's the same with photography. You can be shooting and be completely comfortable, but from there your work isn't developing. So it's a matter of maybe trying, even trying a different discipline of photography, even if you don't mm. like it, to learn some of the skills from there, and then you can apply them to the particular genre that you want to specialize in. Cross training. Or if you specialize if yeah, if you specialize in event photography, try something different like food photography. Or yeah. if you usually do portraits, try landscapes or something. Yeah. So just to just to exercise a different muscle. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. What's next? Uh upgrading my attitude. So I You need to upgrade well, your attitude. No, I, talk, I talked about this as well during the year that um the we hear a lot about upgrades in camera gears and camera gear and oh, lighting yes. and what is the best camera that's going to make you a better photographer is it what lens what how many megapixels what lighting modifier will you need to make uh you a better photographer and the reality is there isn't one and there never will be there, there is no mm. camera lighting kit modifier on the market today that's actually going to make you a better photographer. You're the only person that can make you a better photographer. So by upgrading your attitude, it's a matter of being prepared to invest in yourself in the skills that you need to be a better photographer. And so that is, and I've done uh, so many more personal projects this year than any other year uh, and I've really yeah. challenged myself uh, on that and and I think as a result I, I can see how much more I've learnt and how much more I understand about how I approach photography and I, I can also see uh, changes in my style just by having the discipline to focus on doing the work and, and even spending you know, several days at a time just working on shooting street photography, which is not a discipline that I'm particularly, uh, that I do a lot of. But from that, learning how to do that actually uh, improves my reflexes and the way that I see light and it's changed how I shoot portraits. Mm. So it's, it's kind of, yeah. So, so it, it, it's not, not so much relying on uh, if I've, 
now use this lighting combo that's going to make my photos better. It's stepping away from being relying on the gear and focusing more on I want to be able to see light better. I want to be able to um, engage with my models in a different way. So I've been focusing on um, enhancing those skills rather than relying on the gear. Okay. Yep. I think that's a great, a great lesson. All right. These are great lessons, Gina. So shall we move on to some lessons you've learned in terms of the kind of gear we might have? Yes. So yeah. And sort of some highlights of uh, gear that I've been using, some standouts. Yeah. And again, we talked you've about- You've been doing a lot of- you know, trying new things. I have. And, you know, look, we, we just had a discussion about lessons uh, about that, that there isn't a camera kit, a light kit on the market or anything that you can actually physically buy that's going to make you a better photographer. But if mm. you've done the work, having the right tools can make your life a lot easier. So, and 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 these this, this list that I'm going to share with you now is the the stuff that I've found that has made my life easier as a photographer and stuff that I've enjoyed uh, working with. And I think with gear, Val, it comes down to it, do, you, it doesn't need to be a particular brand or or anything. Mm. It needs to be the whatever your prepared to use every day and whatever's easiest to use so like that that's why when someone asks what camera should I buy I always say well go to a camera store and try them all out it's like trying on shoes I might like a particular style of shoes and Mm -hmm. I'll say to you these are the best shoes ever and then you'll go and try them on and possibly hate them right yes (laughs) A good chance. (laughs) So, and it's the same with camera gear. Like, you know, there's there's people that swear by a particular brand and then it's like it's the easiest for them to use and it's the most comfortable and then someone else will try it and go, I don't don't like it. And also the same can be said for focal length and uh, types of flashes and types of lighting. If it works for you and you're going to use it all the time, then that's the best gear that you can have. So shall we go into my uh, findings for the year of what yeah, I've for uh, sure. sort what's of What's been your number one in love with? Yeah, what's the number one thing you've fallen in love with? Okay, surprisingly, because I heard about this particular brand of portable flash from many, many people, raved about it. Godox, Godox, Godox. Gotta try Godox. And I'm like, So that's eh. G-O-D-D-O-X. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, you know, I'm happy with my, I've got my Canon flash I, for my low end, Yongnuo, really good. Why would I want to bother with Godox? And then I started mm. reading about it and seeing it. And then I'm like, oh my God, if this is as good as it sounds, I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Off I went to the camera store and tested it out. Mm. And I there there is a number of different sizes with the Godox. And so basically what they've developed is portable lighting systems that are the, the one that attracted me was what I found frustrating about my speed light when I was using it for location shoots and traveling was the size wasn't 
powerful enough to overpower the sun and also I found it a bit slow if I was using my speed lights at full power so I wanted something a bit bigger and I think the Godox AD 200 I think it is uh, I'll find the exact model and put that link in the show notes, uh, which yeah. is just a little bit bigger. It's maybe a stop more than a, a speed light. And it's kind of in the shape of uh, same shape and size as a speed light. So if you wore really baggy pants, you could fit it in your pocket. <laughs> if okay. you wore your skinny jeans, not a bit harder to, because you know how the skinny jeans have the really little pockets? I have, an, yes. I have an issue with little pockets on jeans. Well, nothing fits in them. A. B. Okay. When you've got little pockets on your jeans, by comparison, your butt makes it look bigger. What? Who thinks of these <laughs> things, Val? Why? Why? <gasps> okay. So, But more importantly, they are rendered useless <laughs> because you can't fit it in. You can't even you get your finger. You know those ones where they've got the coin pockets, right? Yes. But you can't even get your finger in there to get a coin. Like you could p- probably put a five-cent coin in there, but you could never, yeah. ever get it out. It's there forever. It's like a time machine. And then there's those people who put their phone in there and their phone ends up bending. Huh? What, in the coin you know, pocket? What kind of well, phone have you got pocket, in the chop- but in the No, no, not in the coin bit, but in the gen- other pockets. And then the phone ends up bending to the shape of their but because no. they Hip. sit on it. <laughs> yeah. What, really? <laughs> well, just they don't even sit on it. it just, wow. Because it's tight jeans. Yeah. yeah. There's photos on the internet. <laughs> really? Yeah. This is what you do with your spare time, isn't it, Val? You search right. for uh, how to bend your phone. So <laughs> I love the size uh, of the Godox. I also love that it uses a uh, rechargeable battery. So you can recharge mm-hmm. it so you're not wasting um double A's every time you shoot, although you can get rechargeable batteries. I think this is good. And the other thing is Mm. it fires really quickly and I've used it on long shoots and not run out of battery with it, even though I bought a spare battery. And it's got a modeling light valve that you can turn on so you Mm. can see, which a lot of flashes speed lights still don't have. And They've made a modifier for it that I can use my existing Allenchrom light modifiers with it. So I don't even need to go out and buy all these different modifiers. And when I travel, I use, I take the Godox and I take my little Gary Fong diffuser. I should put Gary Fong on the list too, Uh, which, yes, uh, I've used the Gary Fong to death in the last couple of years. Uh, And so that that combo for me, one light, uh, so easy and fantastic. So I'm now looking at going upgrading to the slightly larger Godox it's like a studio slash portable light and it's fantastic because you can then definitely overpower the sun. I think it's like having two of those two or three speed lights in power. So it's fantastic and it's little and portable. You can just put it in your camera bag, this little light, so and use it with a modifier. Gina's in love with Godox and Gary. Gary Fong and Godox and my little Gazza who's licking himself <laughs> right now in the corner quietly. It, 
And Gaza is Gina's dog for yes. any newbie listeners. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just on that, I didn't put it on the list, but the Gary Fong has to get an honourable mention this year from okay. me because it is just such a beautifully designed modifier and so simple and it puts out a really nice light and it's well made. And that's the thing. You can get uh, cheap and cheerful modifiers at any price. You can get a white paper bag that you buy your Nutella donuts in and whack it on <laughs> the end of your speed light with a, a, a lacquer band, as the Aussies would say. Lacquer band. Did you say that up north where you came from, Val? Lackey la- band, la- isn't it? La- what? Isn't it lackey band? A lacquer. Lacquer band. We say lacquer band Ooh. in Melbourne. Really? Yeah. We say elastics or rubber bands. Yeah. Rubber bands. Don't you say rubber bands? Yeah, we say rubber bands too, but lacquer band. Yeah. Got a lacquer band? Got a lacquer band. Just like. No. Um, we don't say that. No? No. Okay. <laughs> um, you can just use a paper bag. You can just use some trace paper. All of these work, but it comes down to. Um, what works easiest for you and mm. like often you can get these when you're looking for modifiers that you want to use with your speed lights or your studio light what you want to look for is stuff that is easy to put together and pull apart because often the cheaper it is the more moving parts it has and you've got to assemble it before you can then yes. put it on your uh, speed light and so what happens is you end up losing the crucial nut that attaches the <laughs> who's a what'sy to the doohickey, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And then you've wasted all your money. Mm. So, yeah, that's why I like And there's like MagMod's another country, uh, company that makes something similar to the Gary Fong and I'm sure there's hundreds of other brands out there that are very similar, but I just like the light that it puts out. So that's MagMod, and we'll put that's M A G M O D, and we'll put the um, uh, all of these items in the show notes. Yep. So what else in the gear department has rocked your world this okay. year? Okay. So those of you who follow my newsletter and follow me on Instagram at Gina Militia on Instagram and newsletters GinaMilitia.com, you can subscribe there. But I've written a lot about my love affair with Fuji. And oh, and can I say when this happened, uh, no one was in more shock than me Yeah, because for the entire time I've known Gina, the decades that I've known Gina, she has gone on and on and on about Canon. Yeah. And the fact that she was even going to try a Fuji, yeah. let alone buy one, the fact that she was even open to to giving it a go was honestly I just thought she'd taken leave of her senses or something yeah uh because she had such a devotion uh so yeah tell us how come you were open to it I think at the time when you were going through this I thought it was a phase you know how like when teenagers go through phases yes. like they think that they're you know, a they'll vegan. experiment with this or they're, yeah, they're vegan this week and then they're not or they're whatever. Nothing that doesn't cast any aspersions on vegans. It's just saying, you know, some people go through fads. Um, yeah, so I didn't really pay that much. Well, I paid attention, but I didn't really think it was going to last is what I meant. Mm. But it has. Mm. So 
Yeah, so so I think it was interviewing a lot of documentary photographers over the last couple of years, and and they talked about the ease uh, and uh, of using the mirrorless, and they raved about them. And I'm like, really? But it's like the lag of the uh, you know the viewfinder, and it's like it doesn't sound the same, it doesn't feel the same. But then I'm I'm they're talking about having this camera that they always have with them that they can that's inconspicuous that's light and mm. easy to carry around i had to see for myself and it was kind of part of me bought it to just go i'm going to poo poo it <laughs> you know and i did i bagged it for the first little while i really did not like it at all i i just was so resi- and i in in all honesty i bought this particular camera uh two years ago maybe and it yeah. sat there and I used it for a couple of weeks and mm. then I put it away because it was too hard I didn't understand it and well you weren't used to the icons and everything because you'd spent so long in the canon universe yeah it's like you know going from marvel comics to dc or whatever <laughs> It was like learning a completely different language to me and it was like I've gone from having a camera system that it was just, it may as well have been like, you know, part of my body. I knew it so well and I could, you know, shoot with a blindfold on and still be able to find all the buttons almost, I guess. That's how comfortable I felt and it goes back to, you know, getting work outside your comfort zone. And mm. and so this um, – Because you like, never know what you'll discover. Exactly. And so here's this system that I, it was like I felt so klutzy and clumsy using it and I put it away. I gave up, Val. I gave up early because uh, I couldn't I couldn't get a perfect shot and I was really like mm-hmm. – the, the ego was like, well, I can't. It's like it's not me, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> it's the camera's <laughs> fault, you know. Yes. And I'm like – Oh, this system sucks. I don't like it. And I said in that voice too, Val. Okay. And then something, I don't know, I can't remember why, but I decided to have another go. And But I decided to um, suck it up and uh, force myself to be bad at it for a little while and also to just do the exercises do the sit-ups or do the run around the block without having Mm. to drive all the way to the gym. So just using – I think I sat here for uh, maybe a couple of hours and I watched uh, YouTube videos on how to use the camera and I read the manual and I tried to work out what all the buttons meant. And suddenly that was a game changer. It's still – I still was klutzy for the next few months using it but I forced mm-hmm. myself to go out at least uh, two or three times a week with that camera and use it, and uh, but not under pressure, Val. So to be able to use it in yes, my own yes. time when it wasn't – I never shot with it on a job. Uh, it was always uh, in my own spare time, so I felt comfortable and had the time to be able to uh, look up <laughs> – be out in the field on YouTube going, what is that? How do you get that? Because I'd knock buttons and suddenly I'd have the ND filter on. I wouldn't know how to take it off because uh, nothing yeah. about this camera is intuitive. It's And, and so until I learned uh, how to use it and then I'd make myself use it more and more and more and more and then I started taking it on my trips away until the last trip that I did, which was Bali a couple of weeks ago, I only took that camera. 
Right. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, you must be in love with it. I am in love with it. I mean, it's uh, is it like an affair, that camera? Because I'm still committed what, you've gone to like the, for the smaller, younger model. Yeah, younger, smaller. <laughs> yeah, I'm still committed to the long term relationship with my DSLRs, right? Because yeah. they're my work camera, and there's a difference. And I'm not about yeah. to jump and start using mirrorless for work because I still. And I'm I'm like one of the only people saying this. Sadly, the lone <laughs> voice. I don't think mirrorless is there yet for on a professional level uh, for the stuff I do, but it's really, really close. But it's fantastic for doing street photography and travel portraits and stuff like that. I am super in love with it. Mm, awesome. Okay. What else in terms of gear? So, I love gear talk. Yeah, yeah. Not so much gear, but, but right. software. Oh, yes. Photoshop. Just gets better and better and better and better. But you've always used Photoshop. I know, but there's been new developments. Like one of them is uh, the content aware in Photoshop, and then there it's so good. And uh, it's the I can't believe that it does what it does. And so, and also really working on honing my Photoshop skills and understanding why things happen rather than just doing them automatically has forced me to learn different techniques uh, for editing and streamlining my um, editing techniques. And I I just am a big lover of Photoshop. And uh, having said that, I also love Capture One Pro. So it's okay. re- what I would love to see is some way that, uh, and they're different companies. I don't think it's like um, Microsoft merging with Apple. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen. But imagine, Val, if that, if that did happen, how amazing computers would be. Like imagine if Canon, Nikon, Fuji, Olympus all shared their resources and just made a super camera. I'm just imagining how good Photoshop and Capture One and Lightroom would be if they all just combined and were able to talk to each other seamlessly. It would be a dream. But I love them both. Okay, you never know, Gina. That day may come. Well, who knows? (laughs) Uh, All right, so another thing that I have uh, made a big effort to do this year is get more of my images printed, and it's such a game-changer, Val. And this is something that I've been doing in the last little while and putting them up so that I can see them and I look at them every day. And the, the experience of looking at an image Uh, printed rather than seeing it on the screen it's so different it changes everything and the relationship with that images changes as well as as you go about like you you seeing it all the time you 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 see it differently and it's I think every photographer needs to do that and you don't Again, this comes down to the almost the done is better than perfect, but it's like you waiting for all your done. Oh, I'm going to get a printer. I'm going to learn how to print and just go get it printed and have a look at it on the wall. And if you love it enough, then take take that image to the next level and get a fine art, you know, printer to print it for you and get it framed. And uh, you'll. It, I think it's really important that we get more of our work printed because I mean, what like. Why why look at it on a screen? It needs to be set free. Uh, on, <laughs> s- 
see, see free, pick... but do you mean in like a large kind yeah, of large poster style and, um, format or just on that? So I just got one of my images printed massive. I had a special mm-hmm. frame that I'd bought for it and it was being delivered to me and I was waiting for it all day yesterday, excited. You mean the frame? The the print. And okay. uh, I called the courier company and they're like, yeah, it's been delivered. Chris signed for it. And I'm like, who's Chris? <laughs> they're like, oh, that's not your name. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> so someone out there has my print. <laughs> Where did it get sent? Who knows? They're investigating <laughs> as we speak. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't goodness. happy. I was so looking forward to seeing it. So, but back mm-hmm. on the framing, here's a tip because you know how I love uh, looking for old shit and making it new again. Like I love yes. hard rubbish. What what was what is it yes. up in your suburb? Hard, hard rubbish. Council pick up. Council pick up more than anything for else. our you know friends from uh, from overseas. That's where you put all your crap and like your furniture out on the curbside <laughs> and the local government area will come and pick up your rubbish. Yeah. So often people throw out their uh, images, that they, their prints or old photo or old paintings or something that they just, just don't want anymore and they'll throw that out mm. in it. But the frame is still beautiful, but the print inside it is average. So you mm. can recycle the frame and – what I learned again from uh, the master of this, again, uh, another shout out to Foatsis. She, yes. I, I. Uh, this is the bamboo lady she, from the beginning of this. She commi- She commissioned an image from me, mm-hmm. and she had it framed, and she actually got a uh, secondhand frame from an op shop, which was a beautiful ornate, you know, one of those gold ones beautiful, wow. elaborate that you might see in the Dorsey Museum, you know, those beautiful frames, right? Mm-hmm. They used to be gold, and which d- didn't suit my image at all. But then she had it painted white, like gloss, and the image looks oh. amazing. Okay. And so I'm like, oh, my God. And so now I'm inspired. So now I've been going to op shops and just getting secondhand frames, $3, $2, like <laughs> huge frames that you can buy that are all different styles and wow. uh, putting my photos in those. Awesome. And it's such I love a good, it. and you can just, mi- mi- you know, mix and match your images and uh, have lots, and it just looks amazing. And it's a great way to get your artwork. And I think it's uh, really cool to see, see your own stuff or, you know, anyone else's work that you love up there and framed. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah, I agree. I think getting images images printed is a very good idea. Yep. I've never done the op shop thing with frames, but I'm going to I have one not far from me. I'm going to go have a look. Oh, imagine your op shop would be like gold. It'd be amazing. There'd be like <laughs> old um Rolls-Royces that what 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 gets thrown out in your name? <laughs> I don't think anyone shit. throws well, out a Rolls-Royce. <laughs> they don't. That you might no. find some good stuff there. I'm going to have yeah. to come down and to go op shopping with you up and down that well, coast. Well, actually, when Faux Hatsis, the bamboo yeah. lady, yeah. was here last, she did go frequent that op shop. And did she score anything? Yeah, I think she bought some things. Yeah, she's a master at that. Mm. So that's, uh, yeah, I think that's maybe one of my, you know, bargain saving highlights of the year. 
I think. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so okay. the other one, Val, is mm. uh, this has been a game changer for me, really rethinking how I do shoots and particularly the run and gun shooting that I do, like lifestyle shots and things like that for clients, is just being able to do more with less gear. So I oh, have yeah. really pared back so what stuff. what I will take uh, on locations where it used to be tons and tons and tons of stuff. And I'm like, no, mm. I can do this with less and I can work with maybe one light. You know, it's different when I'm doing uh, stu- uh, studio shoots. It's always uh, a million different lights that I need, but on location, I can make it um, much, much smaller. So I'm trying to get my kit down. And what prompted this? Again, uh, the uh, lack of uh, flexibility of the airlines. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you yes, know, that. Um, and also just wanting to uh, be able to shoot more and make it easy on myself just to be able to get those just because shoots. And if it came down to like you see something, you go, I should photograph that, but now I'm going to get my camera out. I've got to find the lens. I've got to find the flash. I've got to put together a soft box and the moment's over. But if you can <laughs> do it really simply, uh, you'll mm. find that, I, you know, I found that I got a lot more shoots in. So that was, I think that was, you know, big for me to be able to do that. Right. Okay, there's a lot of great lessons yeah, from yeah, 2018. Yeah. yeah, so just on that, uh, there mm-hmm. is another, and I don't know that it's out, but um, Ronald Fritz shared this in the podcast, uh, So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast Facebook group uh, mm-hmm. about the Magmod Magbox. So Magmod was a, a, a range of uh, speed lights. Uh, and a really nifty little system. I, I, I reckon it's been invented by photographers by how well it's designed and how sort of user-friendly it is. But they've created this mm. softbox and there's a link in the show notes to a YouTube channel. And I'm not sure if it's still on the um, – uh, what's that What's that thing where everyone puts in money and then you might get the thing when it's invented? What's that called? Kickstarter. That's it. One, it was like one of those, right? And so I think it's now out and you, you can you, you can buy it, but don't quote me on that. But this okay. looks amazing because finally someone's thought really carefully about how to make a softbox that just like pops up and closes down without any moving parts. And they've also made it in a way that uh, you can put one or two speed lights in it. You can, and all the accessories just, it's just easy because think about it. Speed lights were first invented to sit on the camera. That's when they were invented. Some smart little cookie decided to MacGyver a way to take that speed light off camera and use it as a portable flash. So it wasn't actually its original intention. So everything that's developed in the last, you know, 10 years or so around using speed lights off camera has kind of been this tacked on MacGyvered kind of a way. So that's why it never feels like this uh, smooth, uh, intentional kind of system. But now MagMod's taken something and hopefully there'll be a lot more people doing similar stuff where the softbox is just so easy to use and, again, it comes down to that being able to do more with less gear. So I'll be looking out for people who are starting to use that and what their thoughts are. But it it looks fantastic. It looks really exciting. Exciting times ahead, Val. Awesome. So um, we'll put the link to the YouTube video in the show notes, which you'll find at Gina Militia 
milicia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And of course, Gina mentioned the podcast community on Facebook. If you're not already in there, make sure you join. It's free to join. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. There's awesome conversations going in there with um, lots of photographers literally from all over the world, which is one of the exciting things about the listener community. You are all from all over the world. So, gee, that brings us to the end of not only this week's episode, Gina, but this year's I know. final Woo. episode. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Yeah. Wow. We did it. <laughs> oh. I, could, I mean, can you imagine, I mean, did you imagine all those years ago, 228 episodes ago, that we'd still be doing this? <laughs> Uh, I reckon after the first couple of episodes that I was recording with you, Val, uh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just you were like, oh, no. <laughs> okay. Well, we're still here and we want to thank all of you listeners for sticking with us and for all of your encouraging feedback, your emails, your reviews and ratings on iTunes. It's just really awesome to hear from you because that's what keeps us going. Yes. And um, we're just so thrilled to get these messages, to hear that they've made a difference, that the podcast has made a difference in your photography or at the very least entertained you or at the very, very least kept you company while you've been, you know, going on your morning runs or your or your um, trips to do the shopping or on your trucking adventures Lots across North America. <laughs> yes. Thank you, truckies. Yeah. We, uh, Gina and I often talk about the fact that uh, um, there's a trucking community out there. It's so great to have all of you, truck or not, <laughs> from, from all over the world. So finally, for our final episode, Gina, where do we find you online? So GinaMilicia.com, that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. All social media, I'm at Gina Militia, so mostly on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me in the podcast Facebook group. So that's So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast. What's the rest of it, Val? It's So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community. Just search for that on Facebook. A lot of We'd words. love to see you in there. And if you guys uh, <laughs> want to connect with me in person and you're thinking about maybe 2019 is the year that you really get serious about Uh, learning photography and taking it to the next level, then I'd love the opportunity to work with you. So check out the Goal community, over 250 tutorials. We do an AMA, Ask Me Anything every month. We do photo critiques. It's uh, an amazing group of photographers from all over the world. So you can check that out at ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, please feel free to connect with me through the Facebook group as well. Love to see you in there. Thanks for listening, everyone. And here's to a big, awesome start to 2019. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.